Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. How are you this morning? I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. Do you believe that? Well, then you are. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give this morning. We thank you, Father, that as we give, we believe something. We believe these things that we have stated this morning about giving. And we know that you are the God who supplies all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we know that the riches and glory are not short. But, Father, you have all things and all things, Lord, that, that are, they're in your hand. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, for providing for all the needs of those who give, all those, Lord, who are sown into the kingdom of God. And we thank you, Father, that you're doing great things by your power and your might in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Now, as you're giving this morning, I want to ask you a question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because Jesus asked his disciples that question one day. He said, Where is your faith? Think about it. Now, I think some translations would say that. It's in Luke chapter 8, if you want to find out where it's at. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. And in the New Living Translation, it says this. It said, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let that sink in for just, just a moment, because Jesus said to his disciples, let us, everybody say us, let us cross to the other side of the lake. Now, they started out on their journey to the other side of the lake. Jesus had been ministering, and we know that he was the son of God. He was also a son of man. In other words, I just saw some people there that I hadn't seen in forever. Charlotte, buddy, how are you guys doing? Good to see you. Praise the Lord. But anyway, they, they were, Jesus was, was tired, and he laid down to take a nap. Now, just think about that. Jesus slept. We've heard that Jesus wept, but this time he slept. He was asleep in the bottom of the boat, and as he was laying in the bottom of the boat, a storm came up suddenly. Now, that was a common occurrence on the Sea of Galilee. We talk about the Sea of Galilee, we get this idea that it's this huge ocean, which actually is just a large lake. It's a freshwater lake that's, that flows out of the, the, at the head of the Jordan River, and it's, it's surrounded by mountains and such, and storms just come up all of a sudden. And sometimes the waves can reach as high as 20 feet. Can you imagine being out in a little fishing boat in 20-foot waves? Anybody ever been out on the, big, on the big pond and a storm came up? I remember being out one, one year with a, with, with a captain out of, out of Hatteras, and a big storm came up, and it was wild. And, and, but, you know, once you're out there in the middle of it, you might as well enjoy it, right? And so there was lightning cracking around the water and stuff, and this thing, I mean, we had like 12, 15-foot breakers. And this 42-foot boat was just like, just like a little tub out there bouncing around on these waves and stuff. And so I got up on the edge of the boat and grabbed a hold of the guy wire, and I was just kind of swinging back and forth <laughs> on the side of it. I was being crazy. But uh, a couple of the guys, were like, their eyeballs were like this big, you know, like just frightened to death of this storm. But I thought, man, there's no reason to be afraid because, you know, soon this storm's going to pass. It'll all be over. And very soon it was. And, you know, I'm thankful that I have never been seasick. 
Praise God for that. I've been on the ocean, seen some pretty rough stuff, never been seasick. But I can imagine the disciples, all 12 of them, and the, the thing of it is, everybody that's ever spent any time on the water will tell you, it's not a matter of if you're going to get seasick, it's just a matter of when. I never have been. I imagine a couple of the disciples were probably, you know, experiencing some seasickness and this kind of thing. They were frightened. And they had every right to be afraid. Listen to what the Word says. It says that they were in a fierce storm. Upon, it came down upon the lake, and the boat was filled in water, and they were in real danger. Now, this wasn't a mirage. This wasn't something that they were just thinking. They were in real danger. And the disciples went to Jesus, and they woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. I mean, they were being very dramatic, you know. They were kind of spazzing out. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked his disciples. He said, say it with me, where is your faith? Say it. Where is your faith? He asked them that. Where is your faith? They were terrified and amazed, and they said, Who is this man? And they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the waves obey him. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you this morning to speak to us, Lord. Help us, Father, to just come to terms with who you are and what you want to do in our lives. God, we just ask you to speak to us and help us to ask that question of ourselves. Where is our faith? Lord, what are we trusting in? And Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word. You know, Jesus had told his disciples, let's go to the other side. Now, when Jesus tells, us, tells you that let's go to the other side, what is he saying? He says, I'm going to be with you. What did Jesus tell his disciples at the end of Matthew? Anybody know what he said? The very last line in the book of Matthew was, he said, Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the age. Jesus promised he would always be with us. He told his disciples, let's go to the other side. So they knew that the Son of God was in the boat with them. They were going to the other side. It wasn't a matter of if they were going to make it to the other side. They knew there was because Jesus said he was going to be there. But Jesus is taking a nap. Have you all ever felt like God was taking a nap in the middle of your storm? Anybody ever been there? You know, all of a sudden things change in your life and, 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 and the unexpected comes at you and you just, you know, you're just totally taken off guard. And we know that life can change in a moment. A storm can come any moment. That's the thing. You don't know when it's coming. You just don't know. I remember one morning being with a friend, of uh, uh, that, that wild and crazy guy, Timothy Lynch. Anybody know who Tim Lynch is? He's a missionary to India, but he's a crazy guy. And he and I were out on uh, Ocracoke Island. He was pastoring out there at the time. And uh, a, a, a fisherman had offered us a charter out into the, to the Atlantic to do some fishing there. And so we went out that morning from Ocracoke Island, and it was just as calm and beautiful as you could imagine. Anybody ever heard the saying, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Well, that morning, when I got up and looked, the sky was red. But it was as calm as it could be. We went out, we caught our bait and stuff. You know, we caught some small fish to catch the bigger fish. And so we started out, and we got out into the Atlantic, and we, were, we went out about maybe 20, 30 miles or so. And uh, there were some uh, artificial reefs that, that the government had put out there, the marine fisheries and stuff. And so we were going to fish around those things, see what we could catch. 
And we get out there, and all of a sudden some clouds start coming in, just out of nowhere. And the captain looks at me and he says, he says, see that cloud over there? I said, yeah. He said, see, it's got something coming out of it. I said, what's that? He said, well, that's a, what they call a water spout. He says, what it really is is a tornado that's in that cloud. They call it a water spout. If it hits the water, he said, now if that thing touches down, we're out of here. I said, okay. You know, that's, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in one of those things. I've, I've kind of seen them on Lake Norman and stuff, but I just wasn't thinking that much of it because usually they don't, not, not much is amounted of them. And so we're sitting there, and all of us, you know, we started fishing. We started catching fish, and I had a, a good-sized amberjack on. They call them reef donkeys because they're just so powerful. And I'm working that thing up, you know, and I'm just cranking on him. And all of a sudden, the, the rod just goes limp. And I, I thought, man, I, I lost him. And I look up, and the captain's standing there with a knife, and he snatches that pole out of my hand, runs up, sticks it in the rack, jumps in behind the wheel, and off we go. And I'm like, well, I look up. And this is gigantic water spouting coming at us. I mean, it's just like it's tasting us or something. And all of a sudden, all these, there's lightning flashing and, and hailstones about the size of a quarter hitting the water. And just, it was crazy, crazy. And it was like, and the captain has got this thing in, in full throttle back to the, to the shore as fast as he could go. And, and um, Tim and I were sitting on the back of the boat, and Tim starts taking pictures of it. You know, he was just mesmerized. This is awesome, man. <clears throat> so, you know, we get back to the, to, the, to the dock, and the captain docks the boat, and we get out, and he turns around, and he's shaking. And I'm like, wow. I mean, he really was scared. He said, I didn't let on out there, guys, but I was really scared. He said, if that thing would have caught our boat, he said, it would have picked that boat up. He said, no telling where it would spit us out. He said, that was the biggest water spout I have ever seen in my life. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I just, wow. <laughs> you know, have you ever had danger to come that close to you and you just don't realize it? Well, you know, that's the way it is when we walk with the Lord. We don't know one moment to the next when a storm is coming into our lives. But we've got to have confidence in the fact that Jesus is with us. Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. He was back there taking a nap. This storm comes up. I mean, they knew he had said we're going to the other side, but they didn't have that confidence yet. They had not experienced enough of walking with the Lord to understand that when he says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side, right? Now, Jesus has told you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'll always be with you. And I want to tell you, we, Becky and I have experienced some storms in our lives. We've had things to happen. I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, everything's going beautifully, and all of a sudden, it just gets cloudy, and boom, the storm comes. And I remember uh, several years ago, we went through an experience in our life I thought we would never, ever, ever go through. Something that was so painful and so hard and so horrific in our life. It was like the worst storm that you could ever imagine. It was worse than any storm in the physical I had ever experienced because it was a storm inside of my soul. It was a storm in my life. It was, it was, it was something that was just so hard to handle. But the moment that it happened, the very next day, you know, I was, just, I was just devastated by what had taken place. And the very next morning, I pick up my phone, and there's a text from a friend of mine in Cincinnati, Ohio. How he knew we were going through this storm, I don't know. 
But he sends me this text, and it's out of Hebrews chapter 13. And it says, have I not said that I will always be with you? Therefore, I will not fear what man, mere man can do unto me. I thought about that, and he, he sent me this, and that was just the word of God for me at that moment that I needed at that very moment. It sustained me. That's what the word of God will do for us. So when Jesus was awakened from his sleep, and he wakes up, what did he do? He says, peace, be still, and all of a sudden, the storm just died right down. And his disciples are like, wow. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now think about that for just a moment. Psalm 24 and 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. Think about it. Think about it. Let it sink in. The earth is the Lord's. Who controls the earth? Who's in control of everything that happens? God is. God's in control. I was listening to the radio the other day. And and it's funny how the world that doesn't acknowledge God, when something bad happens, they want to blame God. But I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about this guy that was out in Montana somewhere. And this is the second time it's happened to him. He said he went out to get in his car to go somewhere, and he starts up the car, and he hears a noise, and he looks, and there's a bear in the car with him. And he said he goes around and opens the door and finally shoes the bear out, gets the bear out of his car. It's just a young cub bear, but it's big enough to get into his car. Had gotten in and he just demolished everything in his car. So he calls up the insurance company. He says, you know, I had a bear, got in my car, and he just demolished everything. You know what their response was? We don't cover that. Why? Because it was an act of God. Isn't it amazing that everybody wants to blame all the bad stuff on God? But we don't want to give Him credit for all the good stuff. You know, whatever good stuff happens in our life, you know, it's like, well, you know, I want to thank you for what you did. You know, I did this and I did that. But we don't want to give God the credit for the things that He has done. But think about all the good things the Lord has done in your life. Think about the times you were walking through those storms and you never walked alone. God was always there with you. Whenever you've gone through something and you got to the other side of it, you look back and you begin to recount your experiences and you wonder, how in the world did I ever make it through that? Just stop and think. It's because He sustained me. He carried me. He helped me to the other side. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He never will do that. You know, I, I, I've experienced some of that myself, but not like the disciples did. I, I would have liked to have been in that boat. You know, there's several different accounts of it. And I think one of the accounts says, and I believe it's in the book of Mark, that they were in the boat when, and, and, and Jesus had, had, told them, had, had told them to get into the boat. Now, all the disciples are just like us. You know, has anybody ever played the game where you, you have a group of people together and you whisper something in someone's ear? And so when it gets to the other end, then you have them to say what the first person said. Is it ever the same? 
So all the disciples, or all the writers of the, of the Gospels, we had Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was one of Jesus' disciples. We have John Mark, who really wasn't a disciple of Jesus. He was one who, that was with uh, Paul and, 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 and Barnabas that had been sent back. And later on, Paul said, you know, he was good for them and this kind of thing. John Mark, he, he wrote an account. And then there was Luke, the physician, who accompanied uh, Paul on his missionary journeys, and, and he did a full accounting of, of this, and this is the one we're, we're talking about this morning. And then there was John's account, and they all tell the same stories, but they all have a different flair. Well, in Mark, Mark says that Jesus told his disciples one day, you know, they'd done ministry, he says, he, it says that he told them. In other words, he says he commanded them to get into the boat and go to the other side. So he wasn't with them on the boat. Luke says he was. I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe this was another time that Jesus was with, with his disciples in the boat. Maybe another time he told them to go. I don't know. But he says that they were out on the water and this storm comes up. And it was about the fourth watch of the night, which had been about three or four o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden this storm comes up and they're, they're rowing against the wind and they're losing ground and everything else. And all of a sudden they see a figure walking on the water. And it's Jesus. And it says... They shrieked or they cried out. I imagine they cried out like a woman. You know, I, I, I've been up in an airplane one time with a guy that does all these aerobatic stuff, you know. And, and he tells people the account that when we were up in the air. And it's true. It's true. Because when I went up with him and he started doing the loop-the-loops and stuff like that, I was screaming like a woman. I mean, if you could have heard... What was happening in that plane? I was, and I imagine this is what the disciples were like. They probably saw Jesus on the water. Like, what is that? They said they thought they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus said, it's all right, boys. It's just me. And then Peter, Peter says, well, Lord, if it is you, then can I come out where you are? It says, would you beckon me to come? And Jesus said, come on, Peter. So Peter kind of leads his leg over the edge of the boat. And I imagine he's kind of like, how would you be? And he's kind of like, and then, and then he gets the other leg out of the boat. And he's, he's, he's like, you know, this is something he's never done before. And, and, he, and he starts walking to Jesus. And he's like, oh, man, this is cool. And he's got his eyes on Jesus. And all of a sudden... He looks around and he starts noticing the waves and the wind and everything else. And it says, when he does, he starts to sink. And then Jesus reaches out and picks him up and says, Peter, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And he asks us the same question, where's your faith? Where is your faith? What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Look around you. What are the things you're trusting in? Do we really trust the Lord? We really trust Him explicitly with everything in our lives? Or, or do we trust everything around us rather than Him? You know, we, we work so hard all of our lives. I, I used to work at Duke Power Company. I worked there for 10 years, and I would see all the time all these guys that had worked there all their life. They put in all these years and saved up all this money. They bought all this stock and everything, and they retire. Six months later, they're doing their funeral. It's like... All the things that they had laid up, all the things that they had worked so hard for, all of a sudden are gone. 
and, and they leave it for somebody else. And then what about whenever we have a sniffle or, or whenever we have a pain or something? You know, some of us are just kind of programmed that if we have a little something in our body that's just not right, first thing we do is we call up the doc. Hey, doc, I got this going on. He says, come on in. And so we, we go to the doctor, and, and he looks at us, and he says, well, you got a cold, and here, let me write you some prescriptions. And you go to the drugstore, and you load up on your scripts and everything, and you go home, and, and, you, and you spend out about four or 500 bucks for this trip to the doctor because you've got a cold and a sinus infection. You know what we used to call sinus infections? He's got a snotty nose. But now we, we medicate them, you know? We medicate them. Years ago, we just kind of just, what do we do? We blew our nose, right? Until we got it cleared out. And they say that's really the best thing to do, but we want to get over it real quick. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with the inconvenience of it. We don't want to be walking around filling up a hanky. You know, so we, we try to deal with it. So that's the way we're programmed. So we put our confidence in those things. What about, you know, there's so many other things that we put our trust in. Politicians, for instance. Politicians. I, 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 my favorite definition of the word politics, y'all know what it is, right? It's a compound word. Poly, meaning many. And ticks, blood-sucking parasites. <laughs> politics. And, and so we, we put our confidence and our hope in who's going to be the next president or who's not going to be the next president, who's going to be the governor, who's not going to be the governor. We put all of our, our eggs in that basket. Well, you know, if this person is the president, then things are going to change and it's all going to be better. If this person is, then it's going to be the worst thing in the world and everything else. And we're just all torn up and all crazy about it. And Facebook is blowing up and everything. And, and all these pro- politicians are making all these promises and stuff that they can't deliver. None have been able to do it before and they're not going to be able to do it now. So we're just like... Where's our trust? Where's our hope? My hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My hope is in Jesus. I got no other place to turn. I don't want to turn anywhere else. I remember several years ago when I was given, you know, I, I, I had, had been given a diagnosis of hep C, and I'd gone to my doctor, and, and sure enough, I had it and this kind of thing, you know. And, and so... I got to thinking about it one morning, and I'm just like, really spending time before the Lord, saying, Lord, what do I do about this? You know, my doctor had told me, and he's, he's a very, very knowledgeable man. He really is. And, and that's why he makes the big bucks. He's really super smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. He had diagnosed me with hepatitis C, with stage four liver disease, and basically said that, you know, there's some medicines that they're trying on, that are on the market and stuff, that are really being somewhat effective against this disease, but, you know, nothing is surefire yet. And, and I said, well, what, how, how effective is it? He said, well, there's about a 40% cure rate. 40%? So if there's a 40% cure rate, what does that leave you? 60% chance it's not going to work. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't like those odds. And so, I started praying, and I'm asking the Lord, you know, Lord, what do I do? Do I take these medicines that make you sick as a dog and, and, and ruin your health even worse, or what do I do? And my wife and I were in at, at, at Myrtle Beach, and I was praying about it, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. 
I got a rhema word from God, and he says, if you'll believe me, I'll give you 100%. Well, I like that percentage a lot better. I really do. So I called back and canceled the, the medications that I was supposed to start on three days later. And so I went back to my doctor, you know, and he's like, well, what did you decide? I said, well, I decided not to do it, doc. He's like, is there a reason why? I said, yeah. He said, what, what's, what's the reason? I said, well, I read in God's Word, in Exodus fifteen twenty six. he says, for I am the Lord who heals you. And I read in the Word in Psalm 107 and verse 20, that he sent his word and he healed them. And I read in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 that the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And I read in Isaiah 53 5 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes you are healed. And I said, Doc, that's what I'm believing in. And he said for the first time, he says, whatever. That was, his, that was his response to what I was believing was whatever. Well, I chose to believe God that way. And my wife will tell you that a year and a half later, we went in again for another biopsy. And when I go back, there's a vast improvement in my condition. I'd gone from a stage four down to a stage one and a half to two, which is a huge improvement from where I was. And the doc asked me, he says, what are you doing? And I said, well, Jesus has healed me. He says, whatever. I said, no, doc, you don't understand. He has healed me. He has. A long time ago, he healed me, and it's, 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 it's working, you know. And he was like, whatever. And so later on, he asked me, he said, would you go, I want you to do something for me, because he started noticing my condition was improving dramatically, so he asked me to do something, because I still had a very high viral load, you know, that's when they would take blood, and they would, they would, I don't know how they do it, but they got a test that looks at the, they do a count of the virus, and it was like up in the millions, and he said, you got a very high viral load, and I don't understand why you're getting better, but this is unchanged, but your liver is getting better. He said, I want to ask you to do something for me. I said, what's that? He said, I would like for you to go on the treatment. And I said, why? He said, well, to be honest with you, I want you to be our guinea pig. Because if this helps you, it can help a lot of other people if you'll just do it. And so... My wife and I prayed about it, and I thought, well, who knows? Maybe it'll knock out the virus. We'll be done with it completely. And so we, we consented to go on this, this experiment. For 10 months, we took the medicines, and my wife said the other night, she says, I think if he ever does again, I'm just going to shoot him, <laughs> get it over with, because it was horrible. It was horrible for her. It was horrible for me, and I know everybody around me probably suffered because it was bad news. But when we got to the end of it, it really didn't do any good as far as the viral load was concerned. But you know what they discovered? Was that my liver was totally healed. Totally. Which my doctor couldn't understand. And, and I remember going to him and talking to him about it. And he's like, he said, I don't know what's going on. He said, but we, this, this biopsy, we took it. And you have zero scarring in your liver, which is totally impossible in the first place. Because I've never seen a man of your age 
or anybody beyond the age of three or four years old who didn't have some scarring in their liver, but you have none, zero scarring in your liver. And I don't understand it. I said, well, I told you that Jesus healed me. He said, you did tell me that. He said, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, that was a door for the Lord, for me, from the Lord, for me to tell him. He stood there in a busy office, and there were probably as many people in that office that are sitting in this congregation this morning. And for 45 minutes, I got to talk to him about Jesus and about the power of God and how the Lord had healed me through his word. He sent his word, and he healed them. If we believe God's word, we believe him, if we trust in him, if we put our faith and our hope in him, we're going to be all right. I want you to understand, he never left the boat. He's always in your situation with you. He says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He told the people of Israel, In Isaiah 43, he says, if you walk through the fire, I'm going to be with you. If you walk through the flood, it will not overwhelm you, for I am with you. He promised us he would never leave us nor forsake us. So where's your faith? Where is your faith? What are you trusting in? Do we truly trust him? You know, one thing I've noticed about believers is when we go through the fire, a lot of times we respond in one of two ways. It either makes us dig deeper and we become stronger in our faith, or else we begin to falter and we begin to fall away. And a lot of things I've noticed about believers is this. When we're going through those real trying times with our family and those kind of things, it's one thing, we pray for them, we stand for them, but when it's us, we have the worst problem with that. We falter because we really feel the pain. We really feel what it is like. It's easier to believe for somebody else than it is to believe for ourselves sometimes. Am I, am I, am I being right? Isn't that the truth? Because we can't feel what somebody else is feeling. We can't understand what they're going through. But I want to tell you this. The book of Hebrews says that we have not a high priest who doesn't understand the things we're going through, who's not touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, in all ways as we are, and yet without sin. So to say that, God, you don't understand what I'm going through is not true because Jesus has walked it. He's been there. He's been through it. He's been through the fire. He's been through the very fire of hell itself, and he has conquered it. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's conquered the grave. He'll conquer your circumstances. He's calmed the ways. He knows exactly what to do. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick, and he's done it before, and he'll do it again. You know, when when Peter was called to the house of Cornelius. And it goes to the house of Cornelius. It's in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, if you want to read it. And Peter had had this vision from God, and God had told him to go, and he had actually sent someone from Cornelius' house, because Cornelius had been praying, and an angel appeared to him and says, go to this place in Joppa and look for a man called Peter who's, who's there, and when you find him, bring him back here, and Peter's on this roof, and the Lord gives him a vision, and he said, there's some men coming from, 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 uh, from the house of Cornelius, and they're going to come to you, and you're to go with them. So when he goes back to the house of Cornelius, and he walks in, and he begins to explain to them, and he says, have you not heard how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, 
who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Have you not heard about this Jesus? Do you not know about him? And he began to tell him about Jesus. And the next thing you know, this, this, this centurion man, this, this Cornelius is, is, is a believer in Jesus and his whole family is being baptized. And not only are they being baptized in water, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. God knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And, Moses, and, and all the time, he is before you. He is before you. He knows the situation before it even rises. This is the God that we can trust. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. As a matter of fact, he says, before you were formed, I knew you. Think about that. Before you were even formed in the womb, he knew you. He knew your circumstances. He knew your situations. He even knew how you were going to respond before you even respond. And Brian, I want to tell you something. He knows your tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen for you tomorrow. You got a blessing coming tomorrow. But he knows. He knows exactly what's going on in your life before you do. Now, I can trust a God like that. You know, it's hard for me to trust someone who sits down and starts asking me all these questions. You know, what about this and what about that? Because, you know, they're forming an opinion about what's going on in your life. We want to know, you know, have you ever set someone in, in, in counseling situations? You always listen. Two-thirds of counseling is listening. So if you go to a counselor and they start talking before they start listening, get up and leave. Because two-thirds of counseling is listening. Because if you can let someone hear themselves and listen to their situation, they normally will come up with their own solution. Because we'll realize that it's there in the first place. It's always been there. We just haven't grabbed a hold of it yet. So you steer the conversation and you take them to where they can find holiness. But I'm telling you, I want to I take you somewhere this morning. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit who is our counselor. He's our counselor. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we listen to him, my wife and I have even learned this thing in the very small things. When we lose something, what do we do, honey? We pray. It happens all the time. I mean, especially as we're getting older. (laughs) Honey, what did I do with? I don't know. That's the Holy Spirit. He knows. You know, I used to think that the reason God gave me a wife was so she could find stuff for me. <laughs> most of the time, she's very intuitive and she knows where most stuff is, but, but in a lot of cases, she doesn't. And it happens to both of us. So we pray and we say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where so-and-so is? In my, my ring, for instance. One day I was out working with a chainsaw. And, and I'm really notorious about if I'm handling grease or, or soapy stuff or something like that, I'll take my ring off and lay it to the side, which is a bad habit, by the way. I'd be better off to leave it inside. But sometimes I forget, and I go out. And I, so I'm working with a chainsaw, and I'm sharpening a chainsaw, and I'm getting grease all over my hands. And, and, and uh, as I'm working with this thing, I look down, and I'm th- I, I notice that my wedding ring isn't there, and I panic. And that's not a good thing, because... I've already lost two, and that's two too many. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I've got to face Becky with. 
So this is serious. I mean, this is serious stuff to lose your wedding. That is serious, especially if you've done it twice. And she begins to think, he doesn't love me. So I'm just really panicking. I'm like, Lord, where is that ring? And I get down on all fours, you know. My neighbors probably thought I was stupid because here it is in the dead of the winter. I'm down on my knees in the backyard crawling around looking. Looking for my ring, and I couldn't find it. I mean, I go all the way down in the woods where I was cutting trees looking for my ring, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, oh, God. So I go back in the house, and I just I sit down, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, you got to tell me. So I got in a position where I could really listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, would you show me where my ring is? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. When it gets cold in the wintertime, your body, because you're not taking on as much salt, does what? Shrinks. And what had happened in the middle of the night, my ring had come off my finger. And the Holy Spirit just told me, go look at the foot of your bed. So I go, and I run into the bedroom, and I get down on all fours, and there it is. I mean, that thing looked like it was that big, <laughs> laying up under the foot of the bed. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit knows. And you would think, well, that's silly. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not silly. It's very important. It's very important. And God knows all the little things in your life that others may think is silly but are important to you. God knows. Where's your faith? What are you trusting in? We can trust Him. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Now, John, John Bevere says, you know, for us to think that Jesus is here with us now is not, it's not theologically correct because the Bible says that He's where? Seated at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for you and I according to the will of the Father. That's where Jesus is. He's completed his work here on earth. He is ascended on high. He's coming back again, but he's there now. Jesus said, I go to the Father, but when I go to the Father, I'm going to do what? Send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And where else? To be in you. Now, my brother told me one time, I was praying, and, I, and he says, he says, he says you're, you're just so intense in prayer. He says, what are you praying for? I said, I want to be closer to Jesus. He took me, took my head like this, and he looked in my eyes, and he says, the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent is inside of you. How much closer can you get than that? And that was like revelation to me. It's like, yes, he's with me. He's not only in your boat, he is in you while you're in your boat. You can't get any closer than that. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. As a matter of fact, he is the parakletos. You know what a parakletos is? It's not a weird form of a parakeet. A parakletos is one who comes alongside to help. He's one who comes alongside you to help you. He helps you with your infirmities. He helps you with your weaknesses. He helps you when you need to hear from God. He will speak to you. He will reveal things to you. He will reveal, reveal the Word of God to you. He will reveal God Himself to you. He will reveal things around you. He will reveal even demonic spirits. He will help you to discern and to see and understand what is going on. God loves you. He cares about you. He cares about every detail of your life. He will never live. So what are you, what are you trusting in? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? 
Now, a lot of times we just need to sit down and evaluate ourselves. Paul says to examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So we need to examine ourselves sometimes just to see where we stand. So when we do introspection and we look inside of ourselves, we say, now, who and what am I truly trusting in? Because it's very telling. If we're truly trusting in God, it shows up in the time we spend praying, in the time we spend in the Word, in how we give and how we live, the way we treat other people. It's very telling if you're truly in the faith. Now, what is faith? Come on, y'all smart people. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. Think about that. Faith is the substance. And we think about Paul, we, we, we think about, not Paul, but Abraham, when, when God spoke to him about Isaac. And now, now, the impossibilities that surrounded that story, I mean, we look at it, here's a man that's 100 years old with a 90-year-old wife, and God is telling him, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Oh, Lord. Now, if that don't rock your world, nothing will. Gary, what would y'all think? If an angel came to you in the middle of the night and said, y'all going to have a baby, you'd say, get behind me, Satan, wouldn't you? <laughs> but if God said it, it's different. This is something they had prayed for and dreamed about. But now Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. And you know what he began to do? It says in the book of Romans that he began to call those things which were not as though they were. Imagine Abraham said to Sarah, let's start getting the nursery ready. She's like, you are your ever-loving mind. No, God says we're going to have a baby. You know, when she heard it, she laughed. That's when she got her name changed. You know, she was Sarai before, and all of a sudden she's Sarah. She laughed. She didn't believe God at first. You know, sometimes we've got to have something to happen to us before we truly believe. So, do you believe God? Do you believe God? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? There's a lot of things that we can look at and say, well, you know, I believe this or I believe that. Jesus said in Mark 11, verses 22 through 24, he says, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you received it, it will be yours. If you, if you receive it, it will be yours. So when we begin to say, we begin to call those things which were not as though they were, then they, become, they come into fruition. So which comes first? You know, someone asks, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I really don't know. I know the scripture says that he made the fowls and they all reproduced after their own kind. So I imagine just theologically it was probably the chicken. But there always so had to be the egg. Could you imagine the first time the chicken laid the egg? And there had never been a chicken before. 
Now the chicken's laying an egg. What's that about? <laughs> Come on, y'all. You got to get out of your own. So sometimes things that we're believing God for just don't seem to be the, within the realm of possibility. But God has given you a rhema word where he's spoken to your heart. He said, believe me for this. Trust me in this. And you know, our, 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 our belief system is going to be tried because the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. You're going to be tempted to doubt when you believe in God for something. And I want to tell you something. The greater the victory, the greater the challenge, the greater the thing that God is giving you, the more you're going to have to believe God. The stronger your faith is going to be. But God takes us there in baby steps. He'll allow us to go through some things. And Peter says that, that uh, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. So when we believe God and, and we begin to see these things happen, then others around us start looking at you in a different way. They'll say, you know, you really do believe God, don't you? You do trust God. So the Lord is, is, is doing some things, and, and he's helping you. So where is your faith? Do you believe God in his word? John said in John 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. This is the amplified version. He said, in the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it, deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Jesus has already overcome every situation and circumstance that you may go through. All the things that you may think are too difficult for you to handle, he's already got it handled. It's already taken go. He can, he can speak to a storm and calm it for you in just a moment. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he takes you through the storms. But, you know, we can look at our past victories, and we can look at the things ahead of us, and we can say, you know, based upon the things I've, I've gone through in the past, I know that my God is never going to fail me because he's carried me this far. But Isaiah says this. He says in Isaiah, he said in the book of Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, he says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now is, it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing a new thing for you. And, and I want you to understand, whatever you've walked through in the past, there's something new ahead. God is doing a new thing. So don't even look back. Don't even look back. Believe God. Believe God for the future. Believe God for your tomorrows. Believe God for your todays. You know, I've always said, and I heard this saying somewhere, that it makes, makes sense that today is the, is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Think about that for a minute. Today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Understand this. He's doing a new thing. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. When you get up from your chair and you walk out of here, you're going to experience something new. You came in this way, you're going out that way. But you're going to experience something new. You don't know what's outside of those doors. But understand this, God has something new for you, and he's got new challenges for you, but he's got new victories for you. Understand that you can trust him. Where's your faith? Where's your confidence? It's in Christ. In Christ alone. It's in him. It's in him. Trust him. Trust him. Somebody need to hear that today. Somebody's been struggling with your faith. You've been, you've been struggling about, can I really trust God? 
you know, I've done this and I've done that. Well, that's the problem. You've done this and you've done that. But have you allowed God to do anything? Have you made room for God to do things in your life? Have you truly trusted Him and put it to prayer and believe God for it? Tomorrow, my wife and I begin a, begin a, a, a new journey. I'm preparing to go to Mexico at the end of the month. On the 31st, I'll be leaving out to go to Tapachula. We're going to be doing many, a pastor's conferences down there. And I have learned from my experiences in going to Mexico that you don't go there until you've prayed and fasted and prayed up and are, are ready for the challenges that are ahead because you don't know what's going to happen. You just got to be ready. And so we're going to begin a whole month of, of, of preparation in prayer and fasting and getting ready for that time that I land in, in Tapachula because I understand that I have to trust Him. I have to trust what He's doing. I can't study. I can't, I mean, studying is good, and I've got to do that. I've got to prepare myself mentally. I've got to prepare myself spiritually, but I've got to prepare, my, prepare myself prayerfully and be ready to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to see what challenges God has for us because every time I've been, it's been different every time. You just never know. So you've got to prepare yourself. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing in your daily walk with him. Understand that when he says, hey, we're going over, get in the boat, let's go to the other side, he's going with you. He's not going to bail on you. Whatever he's taking you through, understand he's going with you. He's going with you. He'll calm the storms. He'll take care of things. Just be still and know that he's God. Just trust him. Just trust Him. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.